It is Monday, the 2nd of December. <laughs> the Christmas month is here. Um, it's another Monday edition of the Chair Shop Podcast as our schedules become increasingly busy and hectic and we're running around, we're doing our Christmas shopping, we're getting deals done. Um, I hope you all had a, uh, a nice deal-oriented weekend there over Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And If you celebrate Thanksgiving, I hope you had uh, a nice time doing that, so on and so forth. Uh, I am your host, Barry Murphy, joined as always by my ever-dependable co-host, first of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Good evening, Barry. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. Good evening, Barry, but also, good evening, Joe. Good evening, Paul. I missed your, your boys' voices for like two weeks. Well, should it's been a while. podcast then. Yeah. This is the thing. Yeah, we've got 453 of them to listen to. This is the thing, listeners, is I really like doing this podcast, and when we don't do it, I actually miss it. So, take that. <laughs> That's why we're still doing it as part of Paul's treatment. <laughs> take that! <laughs> Without it, he could um, descend into God knows what. Anyway, we've got a, a jam-packed uh, show for you, everybody. Yes. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, got a great number of topics to talk about. Why don't we kick things off? We're going to jump straight in there with the old life golf. Who's been up to what? Who's been indulging in festivities? I've been indulging in festivities. I put the old decorations up in the old apartment. And today in the office, I put the old uh, decorations up in on the old workspace, the old desk of Mabu. Um, and I also, I am almost completely done my Christmas shopping. Today, I did my wrapping. My wrapping is almost all done. I'm, I'm on top of things. I'm ready for Santa, lads. What about you? Wow. That's impressive. Um, well, I've been away. Been on a trip to, uh, America. Went to Los Angeles and El Paso for Thanksgiving. Oh my goodness. Um, They're quite far away from each other. It's about ninety minute flight, so yeah, it's not. Is that all? Yeah, Jesus. it's not actually because El Paso is right on the west coast of or the west side of Texas. Mm, I would have thought it would have been much further away. So yeah, I think you fly over Arizona, uh, Nevada, and then boom, El Paso. That's my ignorant Eurocentric brain. <laughs> you stupid bastard. Um, so that was good. I mean, a lot of flying, to be honest. Um, 24 hours of flying in the space of eight days. So oh, that's that is a lot. Oh, I tell you what, my hip and my back are absolutely killing me. Um, probably too too old to be doing uh, the kind of wrestler lifestyle now. Um, so I think <laughs> next year, next year we'll go for a bit longer so we can space it out. Well, the real test, more. Joe, is did or did not people recognise you at the airport? Um, no, unfortunately. Oh. I th- I'd obviously haven't got that star quality. Um, and also, I wasn't off my tits on Oxycontins and <laughs> other substances. <laughs> Maybe if I was on the, on the steroids. Right. Um, no, but that was a good trip, Thanksgiving and all that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Turkey, turkey, ham, mashed potatoes, gravy, how many, biscuits. How many Thanksgivings have you... They're not really biscuits. No. How many Thanksgivings have you celebrated now? 
This is only my second second okay. annual Thanksgiving. Nice. Um, becoming quite the tradition now. Um, yeah, they're they're biscuits. They're not really biscuits. They're more like scones. Yeah. Um, you put gravy on them instead of jam. Uh, sort of See, that's, that's the issue. I, I think I think American biscuits, quote unquote, are nice, but it's the it's the putting gravy on them. Uh, you know, I'm not big on that. Yeah, I think if you put custard on it, mm, mm, a lovely treat. Hmm. But gravy, not sure. We had a discussion at work today about the pronunciation of the word scone. Go on, because some people, someone come, come up with a third option. <laughs> a scone. I call them scoonies. <laughs> um, no, this was this spawned from a. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna bias the the question here, but this spawned from a discussion about what you call the item used. So let's say you're writing with a pencil, and your little nib of your pencil breaks, and you need to yeah. file it down to a sharp point again. What do you call that device that you use? A pencil sharpener. Barry? A uh, pearer. A pearer. Pearer was the consensus, but that might be an Irish bogger. A pearer what? Pearer bollocks. Done me. I'll just blow the old brains out now. <laughs> and then yeah, I moved on to scone, scone. And all of that. Interesting. Um, they do have nice puddings. Though. I had pumpkin pie and pumpkin cheesecake. Ooh. Um, so they're both quite tasty. That seems like more of a Halloween-y treat, but that might be, again, the Eurocentric brain. Yeah, I think they all all of autumn they have, they have pumpkin okay. out there going, going into winter. Um, so that was good. Uh, not too much else to report. It was a, it was a fine, fine trip back now, off today, recovering from the old jet lag. Mm-hmm. Um Stayed up till about 9pm last night, went to bed, woke up at 9.30 this morning. Uh, so that's, that's always good. Solid 12 hours of sleep there. Um, but it's good. It's the best way to kind of reset yourself. Like just stay up as late as you can yeah. and sleep right through. And so now I'm kind of roughly back on uh, European time. So not too bad. And um, watch plenty of movies on the plane. Oh, which I'll uh, discuss later. I'm excited to hear about. Um, only thing is, one of my headphones broke, so I had to watch them all with just the left headphone working, which is very annoying. Oh, especially if they're in uh, stereo, you can't hear what. Yeah, what the people uh, are talking about. Better uh, than nothing. I see on our rundown here. I don't know which, which of you have watched the movies, but a couple of movies that I am jealous that I have not seen, and apparently one of you guys has seen. Err. Anyway, yeah. had a good uh, a good Thanksgiving anyway, yeah. Yeah, it was good. Um, and also today, only other thing was putting up some of the Christmas decorations. Not really done yet, but I did buy uh, an artificial tree. Okay. Uh, we decided to go artificial this year. Normally we get a sort of real one, but uh, we thought maybe it's better for the environment if you get a fake one and use it for you know five ten years rather than buying. A, a proper one every year. I'm not sure. That probably does balance out. But anyway, we're going. We're going down that route. Um, the only good thing about having an artificial tree is that you can get a really tall one. Yes. Uh, normally, we buy a real one, and it's costs your bloody fortune. Even for like a four foot tree, is thirty quid or something. Mm. Um, so this year, I bought a seven foot artificial tree, 
Um, honestly, it's so big. If Vince saw it, it'd be on Raw next week. It's humongous. <laughs> that tree is a big guy. <laughs> Put the tree over. It needs to be a big deal first. Um, <laughs> so yes, that is up. It's not fully done yet. Not decorated yet. But gonna probably do that tomorrow. Nice. My parents have had the same artificial tree now for I want to say about twenty five years. So you, you can get your money's worth if you are that stingy. Um, mm. I think an artificial tree looks better anyway. I, I realize that there's an authenticness <laughs> to having a real tree. But whenever I go to a house and they have a real tree, it just looks a little bit like, I don't know, like 15% less tree than you get with <laughs> an artificial tree. Yeah, it's true. So I don't know. Um... So yeah, I uh, just been having a tough old time lately, lads. Um, without getting into any specifics, yeah, it just seems like lately, lots of uh, lots of toughness on the old on the old Paul lad. Um, oh. Although there's also been good stuff. So let me go go through the first the good points, I guess. Uh, Guinea the guinea pig is still alive and kicking and with us. Ooh. She's doing well. She had another vet trip on Saturday. They don't seem to know what's wrong with her, really. Um, she do have a big lump on her, though. But they did. The vet did say that if it is, does turn out to be like a lymphoma, the, the lump is just a swollen, a swollen gland. Yeah. So if it does turn mm-hmm. out to be that, that apparently, as long as it doesn't like affect, get big enough to affect her breathing or whatever, that guinea pigs can kind of just live with it and be okay. So that'll be alright. Um, she is still losing a bit of weight though, which is not good. So I don't know. We'll see. We have another uh, appointment in two weeks. See how she's getting on. Uh, Natty got a very nice haircut. In other good Ooh. news, she's looking very good. Because Natty, ever since I knew her, has always had long hair, and now she's got quite short hair, and it looks real good. And if you are interested to see the short hair, you can go to OTT on demand <laughs> and watch. Because we were sitting. <laughs> In the front row on the stage, as Mike Bailey and David Starr fought right in front of us. That were real fun. Um, yeah, she looks real pretty and real good. Um, but yeah, just this last week has been kind of tough on us. Um, but we're, we're we're persevering, and this is this is what I I mentioned earlier that um, that doing this podcast is something I enjoy and, and cheers me up. So I'm very happy. Uh, to hear you guys after a two week absence away and I mean not to get it you know drawn into cliches or whatever but if anybody listening to the podcast has ever been cheered up by listening to it um, there's like no greater compliment that I can you know get from that so uh, Natty is now opening a little gift thing that I presume she got herself I don't know a wool winder. So it's for knitting, I suppose. This is that you put your wool on Ooh. it and it winds it automatically for you? Mm-hmm. Wow. Very nice. What is the... Um, balls left <laughs> we also got a an advent calendar of Yankee candles, as we did last year. So we've put the two, the two first candles out. One of them is red. Red flavor candle. And one of them is a green flavor candle. Um... <laughs> I don't know that too much else has happened in two weeks we've been away. We were down at my parents for a few days. Um, and that was really it. We Obviously, we did no podcast last week because Barry was away and Joe was away and I was away. So, 
Um, that was the reason for that. So sorry about that. Yeah, we all we all out living the old lives, baby. Um, I went to a little town you may have heard of in Ireland called Cork. Um, it's where uh, Roy Keane is from. It is. Um, I did not do any kind of Roy Keane tour, although I'm certain that is a thing. This is where Roy Keane uh, kicked the first ball at Cove Wanderers at the end of the day, like? Something like that? Yeah, that's what they all sound like. Um, <laughs> How many yeah, of them said to you at the end of the day? Because I believe that's a big cork deal. Oh, I, I did not speak to any of them unless they were serving me alcohol. Um, <laughs> you avoided them, if anything. Uh, yeah, I went up with the, uh, uh, the the better half, and we uh, 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 hit up the old Christmas market um, and did some Christmas shopping. Christmas market wasn't you know wasn't up to much. It was just a couple of food stalls, really. I think the gimmick is kind of just that it opens late, right. so that when people are doing their pub crawls, they can go get themselves a nice uh, wood burned uh, uh, wood burning uh, uh, oven pizza, mm-hmm. which is nice. It was it was an all right. Uh, 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 market, but uh, generally speaking, we had a great time in Cork. Um, I had, lads, let me tell you, I went to a nice restaurant and I got myself, as as we are wont to do on this show, I got myself a steak. Very good. Right? Give us the uh, details, don't hold back. I got myself an Angus steak, right? What cut was it? I don't know. Um, Barry, what do you mean you don't know? <laughs> It just said All steak the, on the menu. I said Angus. Levi's 36. It wasn't. It wasn't ribeye. There was another cut, and I had that other cut. Right, like um, a, a fillet or a sirloin or a strip loin, one of them ones. A sirloin. That was it. It was a sirloin. Sirloin, the best one. That's my favorite kind of steak. So it was an Angus sirloin. Whoa. It was eight ounces. Oh, how many? Eight, it's good size. Um, and this, you know, this was a this is a nice restaurant. Me and the lady at a nice restaurant, you know, as you do. You know, the 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 pre the priest the, the the princely sum of thirty one Europeans for this steak. Okay, right. That's not. Yeah, that's all right. And as you know, that's respectable. It's not the most expensive, but that's a, that's a that's a respectable amount of money for a respectable steak. And I said to myself, as the waiter was asking me, how did I want it done? I said to myself, well, you know. If history has taught me anything, people will yell at me <laughs> to get this this beautiful piece of meat incinerated. Yes. And so I said to that man, I said, I will have my steak medium rare. Okay? Our, our little Barry's all grown up. Oh, all right, it brings a tear to my me, eye. He brings me out my <laughs> medium rare steak. Yeah. And fellas... This is the most divine piece of meat <laughs> I have ever laid upon my tongue. Um, wow, your eyes have been opened. Fucking hell, it was good. Uh, it was, you know, just just lightly, sort of a little bit charred on the outside, yeah. just a little bit crispy on the, on the tip, and then, ooh, gooey and melty in the middle. Nom, nom, nom. Uh, and with some uh, delicious fresh-cut chips as well on the side. Uh, they put the little garlic butter rather than on the steak, but a nice big hefty portion, a little side dish, so you put a little bit on your steak, a little bit over the chippies. Uh, it was a top-notch 
Really, really enjoyed it. Big old recommendation to Electric. If anyone's going to Cork and they want a nice steak, you yeah. want to go to Electric. ElectricCork.ie, I believe, is the address. Uh, on the old internet, if you want to make a reservation. Um, yes, so thumbs all the way up. Uh, for that and then also then we just kind of pottered around uh, the next day uh, doing various bits of Christmas shopping um, I had I got my bonus from work which is a voucher every year mm-hmm. um, went into GameStop with that bad boy oh yeah burnt it up in about two minutes um, uh, I, I this was of course well, you know this was you know Black Friday weekend. So every shop was just absolutely manic. GameStop was overflowing with confused parents. It took me about 25 minutes to, to get what I wanted, despite knowing exactly what I wanted and getting in the queue immediately. Um, How do I get Fortnite again? Just people like oh, that. There was, there was someone trying to buy a Steam voucher or something. and it Oh, it was delaying me something fierce. I was getting very grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> But I got I got I got some great purchases. I got that new Star Wars game. Um I got that new Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Judgment from the Yakuza people. I'm very interested in that game. Let me know how it is. Uh, it looks good. And this it is does. the first one that those ge- that those lads have made that has the full English dub, uh, mm. which they, they which they have not done in about 15 years since they paid Mark Hamill and Michael Madsen and a bunch of other weird choices to voice the first Yakuza game on PS2 mm-hmm. in America, and a gigantic bomb, and they, never, they vowed never to spend money on American voice actors again. Um, but uh, they did this time, so I'm curious about that. And I got uh, The Man of Medan, which is the first in the new series from the Until Dawn people. Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'm, uh, I, I'm very excited to check those out. Uh, yeah, so that was my 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 work my work voucher received and burned in one weekend. Uh, but that's good. I got all that stuff without having to put my hand in the actual pocket. That's good. I, I also saw Ghost. That was really oh yeah, that, that really fucking <laughs> good. I forgot about that. Oh great, it's been two weeks since we were on. So yeah, that happened at the Three uh, Arena in Dublin, Ireland. Uh, I tell you what, I think adverse uh, Slade. Yeah, I saw them. We saw them previously at Slane, Barry and myself. Um, I don't think I've ever been to a concert with such a, like an array of ages of people, like from the very young to the very old, men and women alike. Uh, but it was great. The support acts were, rubbish. I want to say rubbish, yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But then Ghost come out and played for about two hours. Hit after hit after hit. Oh, it was wonderful stuff. I enjoyed myself. What are, some of the, what are some of the hits? Um, well, just listen to them on Spotify. Joe. I don't want to name them. Uh, Square Hammer is probably their best known song. Oh, I know that one. Square, square hammer. Do, do. But they're great. Really, really enjoyed it. And then we obviously went to the OTT on Saturday there, which I'll talk about in a bit. Um, yeah, I think that's... Uh I think that's life cuff yeah we have a busy week you know we're, we're, we're going around we're doing our thing um 
yeah, I missed out on the old OTT. Um, but yeah, let's jump in to the old uh, Telegraph here. Got a couple of things to talk about. I'll go through mine very quickly here. I have not seen the most recent Rick and Morty, although I did see the previous one. Um, so with that, I, that was episode two, which we were not on air to discuss. We have not done a show since. Uh, really great. Really, really enjoyed it. I think this season's off to a great start. I'm looking forward to seeing episode three. Um, I am continuing. I'm slowly trying to catch up on the last season of Good Place. Uh, so far, so good. Really enjoying it. That show is... Uh, this is the final season, and it's well on its way to, to, to concluding as one of the most just consistently entertaining uh, shows from beginning to end. So uh, fair play to them. I'm looking forward to seeing how they end it. And I am three episodes in to the end of the fucking world season two, which is the Channel 4 Netflix collaboration thing based on a comic book. And and it is basically more of the exact same uh, of season one. They added some new characters. They've advanced the story a little bit, but it is essentially more the same thing. It is a very, uh, a very, very stylish, uh, uh, sort of uh nihilist uh, uh drama with with it, it's it's not really one to to watch if you need really uh lovable likable characters if you need someone to root for it's very much uh, kind of a style over substance thing i think but uh, i'm enjoying it quite a lot uh yeah and also i very very behind the times on this but i watched the first episode of dark side of the ring which is also on channel 4's on demand service uh, that was the episode about the murder of Bruiser Brody, and I actually thought it was quite fascinating uh, and quite quite well done. So I'll check out the rest of that soon. But uh, that's been my telly so far. This week. who wants to go next? You can go, Joe. Oh, thank you, thank you. After you, um, yeah, a couple of shows to talk about. So one is um, sitcom which I've avoided watching for several years. It started in 2013, I believe. Um, it's one of those shows that pops up on E4 a lot, and uh, as we know, E4 has a lot of American sitcoms, some of which are completely shite, and some of which are pretty good, like uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, but I never watched it, but then we had the TV on the other day, and we just kind of left something on while we were doing something else, and I caught an episode of it. Uh, it's a show called The Goldbergs. Oh, it's about... It's about a Jewish family in America in the 1980s. And it's very kind of classic sitcom, like your befuddled, kind of slobby dad, mm-hmm. um, home homemaker, uh, mother who's involved in all of everyone's business and then three kids. Um, but it's actually very funny. And it's all a very kind of sentimental show. Like every, every episode has a kind of lesson to it. It's, you know, everyone... Yeah, learning from what I've gone through. So it's quite a classic, but it does... Um, it has a lot of great 80s music in it. Mm. It does have a, good, a lot of good comedy in it. Um, it doesn't rely on kind of cringe comedy, which is what I also like about it. It's quite sort of traditional in that it's a lot of character comedy and funny lines and a bit of slapstick and things like that. Um, you get, get a bit bored with the old cringe comedy. You know what I mean? You sometimes you just want to have a good bloody laugh. Right. Um, so I'd give, I'd give a thumbs up to that. We watched... Ended up watching the whole first season on Hulu when we were uh, over in America. Uh, but all six seasons, first six seasons are available on Channel 4 On Demand or More 404, whatever the, they call it. 
Um, so that was good. Um, we also watched a show that I don't know if it's available over here yet. Um, it's called Pen 15. Um, that's set in the early 2000s. Do you know what, what that spells? Well, Paul, yes. Okay. Funny you should mention that. But <laughs> that is the intention of okay. the show. Mm-hmm. It's set in that kind of AOL, IM, uh, MSN chat era in the kind of early nice. 2000s. Um, and it is I mean, kind of similar. It's somewhat nostalgic show, but it doesn't actually lean on the nostalgia that much. It's about two uh, girls, I think they're about 13 in high school, but they're actually play. So, so the, it's created by two comedians, and they actually play them their younger selves in the show. So it's two like 30 year old women playing 13 year old <laughs> teenagers. But it is <laughs> they are really really good. And it, sometimes you forget that they're not actually teenagers because obviously they you know kind of look a lot younger. Yeah. Um, that's a very funny show as well. Like it's a bit more cringe and a bit more kind of weird and out there than the Goldbergs. But um, I would recommend that as well, especially if you kind of grew up in that era of the the AIM era. Um, it is very it is very funny as well. So two big thumbs up for two quite different sitcoms from me this week. Great. That's good. Um, I don't think Pen15 is out over here um, in an official capacity yet, I don't no, think. No. Um, speaking of, I watched the first few episodes of The Mandalorian. <laughs> the new... Uh, oh, let me tell you a story about that. The new Star Wars... Um, it's going to be vomited at the sight of Baby Yoda and then threw your telly out the window. I love Baby Yoda. So, you're wrong on that one. Um, oh, God. I'm so stupid, though. Okay, so, I had seen the Baby Yoda memes, right, before I started watching The Mandalorian. And I never put <laughs> two and two together that all these new Yoda memes, Baby Yoda memes have started up, <laughs> and there was a new Star Wars show that had just started. And then, when there was the little Baby Yoda reveal at the end of the first episode, I was like, ah, so that's, that's where it's from. That's, a, that's <laughs> a bloody... That's a spoiler. No, <sighs> not at all. There's a baby Yoda in it. If you've been on the... <laughs> I, didn't know he got, I didn't know he got revealed at the end of the first episode, mate. So, well, yeah, there's more than one episode, buddy, so yeah, don't worry about that. Don't worry, but, <laughs> don't worry about what happens the first episode of The Office doesn't ruin the show, buddy. Ooh, well, it's kind of the premise of the well, entire series. Give a spoiler. I really like The Mandalorian. I like it a lot. Um, because it it's kind of what I wanted Rogue One and Solo to be in the first place, which is like an original story that doesn't rely on the tropes that you kind of already find in the other Star Wars um, films, where although Star Wars can be this, you know, it's in space, you can use your imagination, can be anything, that the universe is actually very small, and it's it's Jedis with lightsabers, and uh, X-Wings, and Stormtroopers, and it's always the same. Mandalorian is is not. It's definitely something very different while taking place in a universe that you're familiar with. And that's what it's all I ever wanted. And uh, although it's not perfect, and although the titular character, uh, they're kind of aiming for him to be like Clint Eastwood style, 
you know, cool, right. yet mysterious. He just kind of has no character because <laughs> he's just an avatar, really, for the audience. So it's not perfect in that sense. And also, in the second episode, uh, like, I, I really love the first episode. Um, Werner Herzog is in it. And he's really weird and great in it. The second episode has, like, an action set piece that's a little too generic and a little too silly. But, um, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It's really, really fun. And the episodes aren't that long. They're only, like, 35 minutes, maybe. I'd say on average, so definitely worth a a watch. I would say, um, and if you're like now, the, this is to to confirm, right? Because yeah. I have not bothered investigating this beyond uh, all the memes where people are like that feel when uh, you you uh, the remote is too far away. <laughs> okay. And, uh, that feel when I have to get up at 6am and let my dog out for a piss and watch him piss while I drink my tea and maybe Yoda drinking his little soup. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't investigated anything at all beyond that, right? Okay. So, to confirm, this is uh, this is a baby of the species that is Yoda. This is not baby Yoda. That is correct. Okay, I was very confused. I was like, how far back is this show sent? Isn't that supposed to be Boba Fett? How is that the case? The show is its also not Boba Fett. The show takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. Now, it's after Return of the Jedi, okay. Yes, now you notice that I say it's not Boba Fett. For all intents and purposes, it is a mulligan of Boba Fett. They're just doing Boba Fett again, but without it, it being Boba Fett. Without resurrecting. Because they know everyone fucking Sorry, loves Boba Fett, but they killed him. Spoiler. Yeah. Oh, spoiler. Return of the Jedi. From a film That's from awesome. 1983. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's basically just Boba Fett. Because they just wanted to do Boba Fett, but he's dead. So it's, it's the new Boba Fett. Called the Mandalorian. Who acts and behaves and has weapons exactly like Boba Fett. Um, <laughs> but it's really good. It's really, really good. I, I'm really enjoying it. I've watched the very last episode with um, the baby soup memes. I haven't seen that episode yet. But um, but Baby Yoda is great. And it's a little puppet. It's not a CGI. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. Oh, I love to watch this show. The story about the pup. Yeah, well, there's the Werner Herzog quote, obviously, that, that there were plans, apparently, to make it CGI. After they'd shot it, and Werner Herzog said, "You are cowards." Use <laughs> 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 the. I love the Werner Herzog in it is one of the best little bit bit of casting that I've seen in 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 a little while because it's so apparent he doesn't give a shite about Star Wars. Um, he just wants money to go make his next weird Werner Herzog film, so he's just in it, and he's he's fantastically weird, and it's great. Um. Yeah, I love it. It's 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 definitely got. I mean, I've I've said this many times about Star Wars, but it's definitely got kind of, uh, you know, moments of like eighties fantasy to it, and that's what I love. And it's kind of like a western parts, and yeah, it's just really good. It's really good. And like Barry, I'm I really enjoyed the first few episodes of Rick and Morty. Um, so happy that that show is is back and is kind of hitting steam again because. The, the last season wasn't quite as good as the first two, and you know the 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 discourse everywhere you turn about Rick and Morty is kind of off-putting. But if you can block that out of your mind and just 
watch the show and hope to enjoy it you'll enjoy it undoubtedly because it's so creative and so funny um especially in a year where south park has been so bad um it's great to have a cartoon that is top notch and rick and morty this season has been really great and we've also been watching master chef the professionals Ooh. and that's been really good as well one person uh dropped stuff while they were making it and that was quite funny we're very far behind on that though we're, we're only catching up on it but we do we do like watching master chef although it's not exactly a show that you can discuss endlessly people come in cook and some of them are good and some of them are bad and the ones that are good go through to the next round until one of them wins it that's kind of the framework of it yeah, yeah. Anyway. so a lot, yeah, of, a lot of good that, telly this week yeah a lot of good telly a lot of good telly um I envision having End of the Fucking World Season 2 done in time for next week's show. Ooh. Or this week's show, I guess. Mm. Uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to catch up on the bits and bobs of telly I haven't watched uh, this year. Uh, so I'll see what else is on the old Netflix, what else is on the old Amazon, and uh, try and do that. What about music? Though? I have one little bit of music. Of, it's just something I wanted to particularly mention. Um, it's, it's just a song, right? So I was at work the other day as I was just doing some reports. I stuck Spotify on and I was listening to a playlist of Will Smith samples. Um, so a lot of great like disco funk from Sister Sledge to Stevie Wonder to The Whispers. like lo- Lots of great stuff from that era. Which I used to um, listen to when I used to work in a Texaco petrol station. Uh, Today FM used to be on and every Saturday from like 6 to 7 was like classic gold hits fucking 70s disco favorites and I would just like take the opportunity to I'll say I'll go sweep the floor and I'll go grab the brush and just fucking boogie around for like an hour Um, (laughs) so I listened to that and somehow that, that led me down a little Will Smith rabbit hole and I found this and if you have Spotify I I highly encourage people go and seek this out. It's a version of Will Smith's hit song "Miami," right? Yes, a classic. Yeah, but it's Miami. it is a one of these. Do you know the way if you go on Spotify or um, I don't know iTunes, you'll find obviously the Will Smith "Miami," but a lot of like weird covers just put up by anyone who like wants to put it up. Yeah. So this one I think is by DJ Masters United. And it's, it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, a cover of Miami. But I've never heard someone with as little rhythm <laughs> as the guy singing Miami. He gets, like, the words wrong. He sings them completely out of rhythm. There's no, like... There's no... Like, the R in rap stands for rhythm, after all. Rhythmic American poetry. And he don't, he don't got no rhythm. And then I think... History lesson. I think even the bits where they say... Uh, welcome to Miami, bienvenido a Miami. I think they even say that wrong. I think they say like different words. Oh man, it's great. It's it's so bad. It's fabulous, and people need to go and check it out. This guy's listener listens will go up by ten thousand percent as three people go and listen to him. But um, oh, it's so fucking bad. I don't know. It's on Spotify. Oh, it's great. I love it. Miami, of course, by Will Smith is also a fantastic song. But it's, it's a fantastic song because it's based on a fantastic sample, which is And the Beat Goes On by The Whispers. And if you like Miami, you might like that one if you've not heard it. 
Um, for that, Joel, do we want to talk about some games? Uh, yeah. So I, I cracked into that big pile of games I bought, and mm. I'm about three hours in to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, okay. um, which is that new Star Wars game that all the kids are playing. Right. Um, and it is fairly unashamedly a Dark Souls thing. Right. Um, it is very deliberate combat. It's combat that's not so much rewarding patience as demanding it. Uh, you know, a, a fool's rush in type thing. You'll be punished all the time. Uh, you know, uh, the going going down the critical path isn't too challenging. But if you want to try and do side stuff to get extra skill points and collectibles, you're going to fight bosses who are just going to obliterate you if you're not patient. Um, it even has bonfire equivalents where if you choose to rest and, and get your health up, uh, you'll respawn all the enemies. Uh, I did not realize. I had heard this from the E3 uh, coverage, but I didn't really take any heed. But I, I did not realize the level to they had basically just slapped the Star Wars license on a uh, on a Dark Souls game. But um, I'm enjoying it. That is not typically my genre of game. But three hours in, I'm finding it quite fun and quite rewarding. It looks great. It sounds great. Uh, the story is intriguing enough. You play, as I feel like you've done 70 times in video games, you play a Jedi that survived the purge at the end of episode three. Um, and you basically go about trying to reestablish a Jedi order um, uh, in the wake of all of that. So it's set in my the the, the period I am most interested in 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 exploring in Star Wars, which is just just before uh, A New Hope, where the Empire has control. You got your stormtroopers running riot all over the universe. And uh, everyone's depressed and everyone's sad. And there's this, you know, glimmer of hope uh, that, you know, uh, the good times might come again. So, and and the Jedi, you know, are more interesting to me as, as the kind of the outcasts, the the, the lone warriors rather than the, the you know, the, the rulers. Mm. So, yeah, it's good. It's interesting. I'm curious to see. I've heard very good things about how the story amps up and plays out. I'm curious how you can do that in with a story slapdown in the middle of a universe where you know how everything happens mm. so i'm curious to see what, what that but uh, yeah i'll be playing more of that uh, uh in the coming weeks and i also played something paul you have talked about recently mm. i believe uh golf what the golf yes yeah. uh yes that i i got that in the epic game store uh, uh black friday sale and it is a lot of fun. It is obviously a phone game. Uh, it is not ideal on a trackpad. Uh, I had to sit up at my computer desk like a big boy and play it with a mouse to make it a little bit more manageable. Uh, but it's a blast. It's really, really fantastic. And it's funny. And any game where so much of the, of the mechanics and, and, and the gameplay is, is made up of just playing around with physics is good by me. So, uh, yeah, what the Golf is a, is a good time. Yes, I agree. Um, I might be giving that Star Wars game a go sooner than you might think as well, because I got it for my brother for Christmas. But I might play it before I give it to him. Which he knows about, so don't worry. <laughs> this isn't the... <laughs> that was a curious decision. Yeah, a sneaky belt thing. Because um, uh, I, and also Natty, uh, completed Pokemon Sword and Shield in the week. Um, well... 
beat the story anyway. We still haven't finished the Pokedex, but we're, we're well on our way. Um, 41 hours, I think, I'm into it, give or take. I don't know how, how, how many hours Natty has played exactly, but probably a little bit more than me, because she's ahead of me on the Pokedex. But um, definitely uh, a mixed bag, I want to say. It, it's, it's, it's undoubtedly a very fun game and very easy to pick up and play for hours. Um, the big open area where you can just explore and find like Pokemon and do raids is the single best innovation in the series ever, probably. And yet, uh, I mean, the story is complete shite. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I would be really interested to see what another developer would do with it, with with this, you know, with the series. Because, I mean, it's obvious that Game Freak are so fucking behind the times. Like, this was the opportunity to kind of do a refresh, and they really didn't. Um, not only in the sense that, like, the story is completely uninspired and the characters are all, you know, one-dimension facades of characters. Former monikers of themselves, if you will. Um, but, like... It's fucking 2019, and we're still doing, th you know, DS-style animations where the characters walk up, stop, turn slightly, walk some yeah. more. You know, there's no animation to it. It's horrible to look at, and it's 2019, for God's sake. We can do better than this on the Switch, for fuck's sake. Um, yeah, it's... It, at the, like, like a, a, a one, on one hand, it's, it's really fun to play. Um, the world looks great, even though graphically it's not that great compared to again to other switch games um but it's everything just feels so uninspired like oh and so lazy like if you if they had made some effort to do something differently and god a world like this is calling out for some some kind of quest system there's like nothing to do in any of the towns you go to and not only that but like one of the biggest criticisms for me is and and fair enough, towards the very, very end of the game, this kind of doesn't happen so frequently, but there'll be parts of the game where there's, like, the champion of the Pokemon League or whatever, and there'll be... You, you'll be on an adventure, just going from gym to gym, and then you'll hear... There'll be, like, a little set piece with, like, an explosion! And you go to check it out, and the, the champion will appear, and you go, uh, don't you worry about that. You go on to the next gym. I'll take care of this. And you're like, no! I'm the hero of the story! I'm supposed to do the adventures and the game actively has these things happen and then you don't like do anything until the very 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 end oh it was stupid also one thing that the game is missing that the really early games had which i really miss are like like the dungeons like there used to be you go into um like a big skyscraper with 11 stories and there'd be people to battle and puzzles to solve none of that none of that in this it's just it, it you th there's nothing like that to hook you to a specific location long enough for it to be memorable or all that happens is you arrive to a new town go to the gym beat the gym and then back to the the fun area to to explore and find new pokemon like it's it's really a game of two halves one half properly like innovative and something th that series had been crying out for and on the other half just more of the same old shite with no effort put in to make it like new or interesting so I don't know. I kind of fall 
like IGN gave it like a 9.3 fucking ridiculous uh, for me somewhere between like a 7.5 and an 8 um, which is a shame because you know with the Switch you had Zelda completely you know reconfigured from the ground up uh, a really really fantastic new Mario game and then Pokemon is just like a copy paste with with one big new improvement. It's it, it's more like a FIFA improvement than something like Breath of the Wild. Oh, it's the same as last time, but this time you to control the ball different and the tackle is different. It's like, no, that's not what I wanted in the new Pokemon game. This was the chance for something new and something fresh. And, you know, they really didn't deliver in that in that aspect, which is a shame. Damn. Yeah, I've heard such, like, really mad, like, um, uh, uh, like, all over the shop takes on this game, super high praise, super disappointed. Obviously, there's been tons of kickback against it from whiny babies about, oh, they don't have people in it. I, I don't give a shit that it doesn't have the full Pokedex in it. There, yeah, there I, are I, enough, there's like carry. 400 to catch in it. That is enough. Yeah, well, it's I, the I rest of the game that's the problem. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've, it seems like a very a very divisive game. Well, like lots of it is good. Lots of it is good, but it it, it could be so much more, and that nagging feeling kind of never leaves you. So, I mean, an eight isn't bad. An eight's not bad, but like, yeah, it could be something so much better than it is. Anyway. Yeah. On that note, let's uh, hop in to the movie guff. Uh, lots of movies this week. Um, I've just watched the one, uh, an old Netflix film uh-huh. called Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, I really want to see that one. Oh, it is good, baby. It is. Let me tell you, folks. Eddie Murphy is back. Oh, wow. yeah. It's 1980-whatever again. He's getting the red leather back on. It's happening. Oh. And in the morning, yeah, cool. I'm making waffles. Uh, so, uh, Dolomite Is My Name is the true, true-ish true story uh, with Eddie Murphy playing uh, this uh, struggling uh, comedian in, in L.A. who just, who's, you know, the, the quintessential guy who just wants to be a star. And he basically takes a bunch of um, anecdotal uh, jokes and, and and stories from uh, you know hobos and you know underprivileged you know black Americans in the fifties you know what are often you know, referred to as like you know stories from the slave times and uh, creates a, a a pimp character that he uh, parlays into a stand up routine then into a record deal and then the crux of the movie is how he then tries to take that mild success he had doing comedy records and parlay it into a, a movie career um, uh, as something of a, of a black exploitation pioneer. Uh, the story is obviously fascinating uh, and uh, interesting on its own, but this is just a tremendously well-made uh, uh, biopic comedy film with some tremendous performances. Eddie Murphy Feet is fantastic in it. He is genuinely fantastic. Uh, it's, it's, it's a very funny film, but he has a little bit of levity in it when he has to. And uh, the supporting cast is uh, is fantastic as well. You have Titus Burgess in there, um, uh, among others, and of course Mr. Wesley Snipes with one of the one of the one of the funniest 
supporting roles uh, of the year. Um, uh, so yeah, really, really enjoyed that. That's on the old Netflix machine, so get that watched at some point over the festive season. Yes, and uh, that's all I've seen this this week. Oh, so Joe is the lucky one who's seen these movies that I really want to see. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I shall review them now. Um, so I see, I saw four movies um, while I was on the plane. I love plane journeys because long plane journeys. That's a good thing because they have all the latest movies. Yeah. Don't have to bother going to the cinema. Like, okay, yeah, you have to be in a crowded place with the members of the public, but you've got headphones in, so you can kind of ignore them. So that's, that's a good part. Um, so I watched, yeah, four movies on the plane. Um, starting off, I watched uh, Stuba, which is a kind of buddy cop movie starring uh, Dave the Animal Batista and Kamal Nanjiani from Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can't, I don't think this was a massive hit, <laughs> if I remember correctly, but I quite enjoyed it. Um, I did laugh out loud several times. I thought chemistry was pretty good between Batista and, and Kamal. Um, so the basic plot is Dave has just had, he's an FBI agent or like a DEA agent, drug enforcement agency agent, who's um, goes to get laser eye surgery. Uh, but it so happens the day of the surgery, he gets a tip about a big, a big drug deal that's going down that evening. Um, so he has to get around the town without being able to see properly and commandeers uh, an Uber driven by Kamal Nanjiani. Hmm. Um, the, the stray, the slightly annoying thing is there was a lot of Uber references in it. Um, I don't know if they helped put any money in or whether they just uh, kind of insisted on mentions in terms for for kind of using their, their name. Um, but it was a bit grating at times. I feel like they could have just used the sort of generic ride-sharing, made-up ride-sharing app, and it would have been just as just as effective. Mm. It didn't need to be Uber. That was quite annoying. Um, but anyway, it's pretty kind of standard uh, sort of action comedy stuff. Uh, yeah. But there were some very good jokes in it. So I would say not one to kind of hunt out as if your life depends on it. But if it's on or if you see it on Netflix, pop it on. Dave's always good value. You know what he's like from his, his wrestling days. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's good in this. Yes. Uh, so Stuber kind of thumbs slightly up. Um, that, wasn't, was, that wasn't one of the movies I was looking forward to. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was the one you were looking forward to. No. Yeah. I, I enjoyed Stuber. Stuber was like... Oh, you watched it as well. Yeah. Um, I also watched uh, Ad Astra, um, starring young Mr. Brad Pitt. Uh, he plays an astronaut. It's set in the future. There's some kind of big energy pulse or something that knocks out all the energy on Earth. He gets sent into space to find a lost mission that was actually headed up by his father. Uh, and it's about Brad Pitt kind of uh, tra- traveling through space. Um, absolutely bored the arse out of me, to be honest. Wow. Uh, wow. Did not enjoy this movie whatsoever. Um, the only fun I had was the fact that Michelle and I have been calling this Eat Astra for the last two months. Well, that's, uh, that's, immature. that's immature and disrespect to an artist. Um, <laughs> right. 
I'd like to see you say that to Tommy Jones, Tommy D. Jones's face. Oh, I would. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Tommy Lee Jones is in this, and he basically, you know, that meme of Tommy Lee Jones from a couple of years ago, where he's at an award ceremony <laughs> and he just looks really grumpy. <laughs> yeah, he basically plays a character based on that meme. Well, that, that is just him. I'm very sure. <laughs> it was, it was, I, I didn't really get anything out of it apart from when the killer monkeys showed up. Uh, and no, I'm not joking. There are killer monkeys halfway through this movie. That is Boiler. great. What are you talking about? Oh, tremendous. God. Drek. Nothing. I think a lot of people have kind of, who've seen, who I know, have seen that Astro hold it to really high regard but i know that mark kermode wasn't also as hot like yourself joe he kind of said it was kind of navel gazing and kind of nonsense but I'm, I'm looking forward to see it to be fair you might enjoy it i don't know i just didn't i just didn't get anything out of it yeah <laughs> that is allowed um, people are allowed to not like movies yeah fair enough difference of opinion um watch a film called ready or not um which is a kind of black comedy horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quite, quite a small one. No one massively notable in it. Um, but it's, it's about a woman that marries into a really rich family. And then on her wedding night, uh, and she finds out that she has to take part in some sort of game. Uh, I won't give away too much of the plot, but ne- needless to say, it turns quite gruesome. Um and then it gets it turns to a very, very, very kind of gory comedy horror. Mm. Um, so that was quite enjoyable. It was quite fun. Not a sort of great movie. I think it could have been a lot more sort of uh, perceptive, or the, just just the kind of writing could have been a bit sharper. But it, there's some funny bits, and it's kind of a you know fun, interesting sort of story. It's it's not not too bad. Not up there with with your kind of horror comedy classics, but a decent decent film. That's ready or not. Um, while I was in Texas, um, Thanksgiving Eve, we put on a fun film for all the family. We watched the 1978 musical Grease, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't think I've seen probably 25 years, possibly. A long, long time since I last saw that. Um, two notable things. the um, Actually, three notable things. Firstly, the musical is still banging, full of great tracks. Yeah. It's just one of those musicals where like every song is a almost every song is an absolute classic. Um, so that was great. Secondly, incredibly dirty film, lots of sexual innuendo and jokes about wanking and things like that, which um, I noticed more of this time watching it as an adult. And thirdly, um, and this is a bit of a, a cliche joke to, to mention sort of older people playing teenagers, but in Greece, they really push it to the edge. Like some of the guys in this, they look at least 40. Yeah. It is ridiculous. I don't know how you don't notice it as a kid. I think as a, when you're younger, you sort of take it at face value or you think like older people are all old. Yeah. But watching it back, Jesus Christ, some of them, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, that was Greece. It is still quite a good film. Um, and the final thing I saw, which was the best of all the, the films I saw in the past couple of weeks, and probably, oh well, yeah, let's say it, one of the best of the year. Oh. <clears throat> it is a film um, from the director of a film that I know Paul uh, loves, Snowpiercer. Yeah. And, uh, and the Paul, host, which Paul, I also love. 
and the host, and the host, another classic, uh, Bong Joon-ho, yeah. is his name, Korean director, um, he this year made a film called Parasite. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now, I, I knew very, very little going into it. I only watched it because Michelle kind of made me, because she yeah. said everyone had been raving about it. And so before going into it, we knew virtually nothing. I just kind of read the genre description uh, on Google. Um, I won't read that in case uh, people don't want to read it, but I would highly, highly recommend this film. Um, again, I don't want to say too much about the plot or what it's about, but it, it's it's kind of got some thrills, got laughs, it's... Uh, shot beautifully it's kind of hitchcockian uh in its its depiction of this kind of voyeuristic slash uh, suspenseful um story that it tells um i don't really know what what i can say without giving away too much but i, I it's a big thumbs up mm. big big two thumbs up and <clears throat> sneak sneaking in as uh, one of the films of the decade right at the end there you go um yeah, just watch it. That's all I'll say. It's not. I don't think it's out here or in Europe till next year. No, no. Or is it? You can is get it your, you can get your hands on it through nefarious means. I will say. That. Oh, Paul, don't do that. Um, well, I'm, from well, just watch it. Watch it whatever way you can, and when it when it comes out, you have to buy a ticket, even if you yeah. Don't and if it. you really enjoy it, go see it in the cinema again. Fuck it. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm going to say maybe the most pretentious sentence i've ever said on this show but i think that korean cinema is seriously underrated <laughs> that's pretty good that that right. there, well i'll say i'll rephrase that in a less pretentious way there's a lot of really bloody good korean movies that people have never heard of and have never seen and bong joo ho is a bloody good director let me tell you yeah that snowpiercer movie was fucking great I'm very excited to see Parasite. I never, I have still haven't seen Okja, the one on Netflix with the big pig thing. Um, I must see that, as well as the other ones that he's directed, which I've not seen yet. Yeah, yeah me too. Oh, I'm very excited to see Parasite. I cannot wait. Yep. Can't wait big thumbs up movie, movie of the week. Ooh. One of the, one of the movies of the year. I've seen a few movies then. Go on. I watched a movie called Crawl, which came out this year. Oh, is that the shark? No, alligators. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's about a, a, a young uh, adult lady who is, I guess, like a collegiate swimmer, which comes into the plot later on, who, during a Florida hurricane, goes down to see if her, her estranged dad is okay. Because she gets a phone call from her sister to go check it out. Only to find that he is trapped under, in the basement of the house, with alligators. And it is flooding because of the hurricane. So they're against not only the clock to escape, but against nature's own creatures. And, uh, yeah, I thought it was quite, I thought it was quite good. Um, gorier than I expected, but I, I, I found out afterwards that the the director does have quite a kind of gory slash horror orientated uh, filmography, but um, I thought it was very solid. I thought um, 
I thought the performances were quite good in it, and uh, and I thought the 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 kills, let's say, the gore, because it it does have kind of a slasher movie element to it. I thought they were all quite inventive and quite quite clever, but it was also the kind of movie that you forget you saw it the week after, you know. Like there wasn't much you could say is bad about it, but just it's not really a film that'll stick with you. It's it's quite short as well. I think it's only like ninety minutes. Um, I would say it's worth a watch if if you're kind of. I don't even know if it's going to be on Netflix or whatever, but if you're just kind of browsing and you come across it, yeah, it's it's, it's worth a watch. It's quite good. Um, if a little <laughs> for for a really gory movie to be kind of light, it's a, it's it's quite a light movie. It's it's a popcorn movie. Um, but it was good. It was clever. I mean, some bits of it were a little bit derivative. I mean, there was one shot in particular that I'm sure I've seen exactly that shot in in other movies um but no it was it, it was pretty good um i also watched a movie called scary stories to tell in the dark which also came out this oh, year oh yes yeah that's the one uh, Gu- yeah guillermo del toro produced not directed uh i thought it was pretty good it's it's actually um, and I didn't realize this because I, I had really only seen posters for it. I don't even remember seeing um, trailers for it. But it's kind of a lot more along the lines of something like that Goosebumps movie that came out. Um, okay. Albeit a far better version because I thought that Goosebumps movie sucked. Um, the framework is it's kind of another of those um, it style, you know, group of kids. In, in a small right. town. Although it, it's set in modern time though. So it's not exactly a, a throwback. Um, who come across this. Uh, book in a haunted house. And as they read the stories in the book. These stories start to manifest themselves in the town. Um, based on a book. Which was the book itself is just a collection of stories. So actually. The framework that the film uses to tell those stories doesn't exist in the book, so that that's kind of an original story in that sense. Um, the kids are all great in it; they're all really good. Um, the The horror aspects are actually quite quite good, and almost I think too scary for a movie like this. It 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 kind of walks the line between like PG horror and although it's never gory or anything, there are like freaky stuff in it. So probably, yeah. probably not one for Joe to watch, to be honest. Um, and I don't, I don't say that jokingly. There's properly, like fucked up stuff in it. Um, it's pretty good. It's surprisingly good, especially when you you start watching it and you realize, oh, this is like a, a Goosebumps movie. I was expecting kind of more like a, I don't know, like The Conjuring, one of those kind of you know, one of those kind of movies. It's really not. It's really more of a Goosebumps kind of movie. But but actually done well with like clever like body horror and clever character design and oh, I was like that's a nice little surprise one thing I didn't like about it though is that it kind of it's it's although it's not marketed as such it, it doesn't really have a proper ending it's, it's definitely like a part one which is a bit disappointing. Because um, like I say, the story that's being told is not actually based on the book that it's based on. The The, the book is just a collection of scary stories. Uh, and so they didn't really have to do that to themselves. But you watch it and you wait for like, how are they going to, you know, 
resolve this situation and then they they don't really and then the film's over and you go oh i, I feel unfulfilled um but no it was actually pretty good um i'm gonna say worth a watch and then the last movie we watched was new netflix martin scorsese epic Ooh. the irishman ah. which i know joe saw in cinema yeah have you seen it yet barry not seen it because of course there's the need to carve out the time it is very long granted um there was one bit in it where i was thinking to myself okay we, we must have made good progress right now because you you're, you always have in the back of your head this movie's three hours 20 or whatever it is okay i say we must be making good progress and we paused i think for somebody to go to the toilet or something uh, we were two hours and two minutes in, which meant there was another hour twenty to go. I was like, "Oh my god, this film's so long." Um, I I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was very good. I thought the performances were great across the board, including a really good Al Pacino performance, and you don't get too many of them these days. Um, yeah. It was nice to see Al Pacino, a little bit kind of restrained. I mean, he's still he's still Al Pacino. We still got. Ooh-ah. But like not so much ooh-ah. a little bit less, you know, a little bit of a strange performance by Pacino, which I did like a lot. I liked De Niro in it a lot. Pesci's great. I think I think cross the board performance is really good. I think the the de aging CGI you almost immediately forget about it. Um, it you know you you become so immersed that it's not really a problem. Except there's one scene that kind of stuck out to me, but also I've, I've seen it re- referred to in like reviews and stuff. Which is where he like beats up a shopkeeper outside the shop, and yeah. he he moves like an eighty year old man, <laughs> even yeah. though his face is like forty or whatever. He's he's got that, you know, his muscles are all tense that he can't really move like a forty year old. And that's the one bit where I would think for that shot they might as well have got a body double to do it. Cause yeah, double. Yeah, you go. Ugh. <laughs> Oh, that's taking me out of the movie because that's an eighty-year-old doing that. And then there's one bit where De Niro is like, see, he's standing on rocks by like I don't know if he's on a pier or what. I can't exactly remember. And he kind of hops from one rock to another. And I'm like, Jesus, don't get De Niro hopping. He's gonna fall in the water and die. He turned out to be all right though. He didn't fall. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Even though it's long, I don't think there was necessarily any bits that dragged or, you know, felt unnecessary. I think the ending, like 30 minutes, although they're good, I was aware of the fact that they had started, like, saying, and this is what happened to this character. And there's, like, 25 minutes left in the movie. And I wish that they had kind of stayed a little bit more central to De Niro's character, like, at the end, because I think the stuff at the end that is specific to, to De Niro's character is the more interesting, as opposed to constantly talking about the other characters. What happened to Jimmy Hoffa, and what happened to Pesci's character, and what happened to this guy, and what happened to this guy? Um, but I thought, that, I thought that stuff was all solid. Um, it's definitely kind of a sad experience watching it as well, though, because, you know, you have all of these... What what people consider like the greatest actors, De Niro, Pacino, I don't know, Pesci would necessarily be up there, but like all these fantastic actors, 
And not only are they going to start disappearing from from movies, and not to get too like Pesci for all intents purposes has already, and not to get too morbid, but these guys are like in their late seventies and eighties. These guys are going to start dying soon. And for them all to be, and Scorsese as well, for all them to have come together to make this movie, it's 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 like a proper, you know, end of an era. To use like a wrestling, like you know, with Undertaker. Shawn Michaels, Triple H on the stage, looking. It's it's like it's like that done properly with with movies, and it's it's a really strong kind of, I guess, goodbye from all of these these people who have made all these fantastic movies over the years. You know, so there was a little bit of to me that was like, oh, that's this this is kind of sad seeing this, but the movie itself mm-hmm. was very good, even though Natty, my beloved Natty, thought it was boring shite. <laughs> I just need to say that for, uh, you know, in the, in, in the interest of fairness, she thought it was pretty boring. It's okay, because it's okay to not like movies. You know, I don't like the Ray 2, it's okay. Even if Barry tweets about it during the week, it's fine. I don't say anything, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I liked it, okay? And I know Joe liked it. I can definitely see how someone would be bored by it. <laughs> like I understand that point of view. It it's slow. It's you know it's not exactly um, to the pacing of something like Goodfellas or Wolf of Wall Street or you know mm. it's definitely a slower, more drawn out kind of film. So I mean, objectively speaking, it doesn't have the kind of heights or like peaks moments where the film becomes more you know exciting. It's it's kind of a very slowly told story and it's a it's a very s- simple story told over the you know the three and a half hours ah! <laughs> <laughs> i liked it don't worry i liked it it was good <laughs> oh daddy it was real good it was real good um so that's all the movies i think i watched uh yeah i think that is our uh that is our movies. Uh, we can jump into the old wrestling guff. Um, oh, God, those 10 million shows in the last two weeks. Um, uh, women's War Games was brilliant. It was. Um, it was a little bit too short, though. Do you think? Uh, I actually thought it was basically perfect. Um, I wanted a little... I wanted five minutes more. Although I'll tell you, I'll tell you what. If it was too short, I would much rather that than the, all the other WWE War Games, which have been too long. Yeah, take five minutes from that main event and give to the women, because their match was way better than the men's one was. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy the women's War Games, especially um, the Dakota Kai turn. I thought was done like brilliantly. Yeah, um, that was fantastic. Although, it kind of lessened it a little bit. And it kind of also made the Shayna Baszler team seem seem real bad that fucking Rhea Ripley's team still won. <laughs> you know, that was a little bit like, okay, so they didn't really need Dakota Kai or, or Tegan Knox. They just won anyway. Like, I mean, I think it would make more sense going forward in, in terms of the story of Dakota Kai versus, I guess, the good guys if in her turning... That, that that had ultimately cost them the match. You know, you can have them come close and not win, but the fact that they won anyway kind of made me think, like, well, fuck, it didn't matter then that she she didn't cost them anything. She, okay, she attacked her friend or whatever, but there was no real f- 
um, impact of that on the match. Uh, but that match was real fun. Um, I think everyone in it did a really good job. Rhea Ripley, especially, has gone from kind of nowhere to being like the hottest act in the women's division on NXT. All of a sudden, she's great. Yeah, she's she's really awesome, and she's kind of the the one person who has that same, you know, Shayna Baszler esque kind of believability to her. Because she's so big, I guess. I don't want to necessarily say like a Brock Lesnar or a Ronda Rousey style aura, but she she definitely has that kind of Shayna Baszler believability that that a lot of other people don't have. I think it's probably just a matter of time till she has the title. Um, yeah. The men's war game match was, to use Natty's Irishman quote from a second ago, fairly boring. I thought. Um. There were bits in it that were exciting. I thought the finish was like really odd, given the interviews that Triple H had been doing about how Champa has to like change his style to protect himself because he's a little bit injury prone, and then he's he's doing fucking slams off the top of a cage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what it was about about the the men's match. I I just couldn't really get into it. It was it was fine, and there was nothing necessarily bad about it. I mean, there was the the press slam of. Was it Kyle O'Reilly from one ring to another, and he, he couldn't even get him over the ropes? Yeah. That was scary, yeah. Um, which they then injured Bobby Fish doing on NXT TV, but let's not worry about that. Um, poor Bobby Fish can't catch a break, by the way. Every week he's getting oh, fucking he's, injured. He's, he's, having a it. Hmm? he's having a horrible time of it. Oh, so he. What was the first one? He got his tooth knocked out or something and being attacked by the OC. Then he got his nose busted in the tag team match the next week. Then this week he gets knocked out on a press. <laughs> What'll it be next week? Poor lad. Um, I mean, overall, I think this takeover was definitely kind of a lesser one. I think the Balor riddle match was fine. If a little bland, um, what else was on? Uh, three way with Pete on. I'll be honest. I just watched the two cage matches. Yeah. Even the Pete thought- match was, yeah, yeah, I just thought that like the women's match was one of the was the best one they've done so far. Absolutely, and one of the best things they've done all year. And the men's match was just like the last two men's ones they've done. It was just plodding, and it went on forever. And it alternated from them doing nothing to doing too much. And why was um, Kevin Owens in it? I don't know. I thought that was cool, but I didn't. I can't. It was say cool, but it. he's he's not. Going and be on NXT going forward, so it kind of just was a, a, a cheap pop, I guess. And I would have maybe preferred something that played into the story or would have some, again, like the women's one, have some kind of impact going forward. He just showed up and gave stunners to people, and then he's gone again. And then he was like against NXT on Survivor Series. I mean, the whole the fact that this this show was the night before Survivor Series was real dumb. The fact that they've used you know used NXT on Survivor Series this year, um, obviously not dumb in terms of the ratings because NXT has been doing fairly well in the ratings, but dumb in the sense of people against each other one night and then tagging the next night and yeah, I I, I really I mean it like I can't act like it was a huge deal, but yeah, the the um, 
all the stuff the next night. The women's match in particular was just so annoying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, probably not one of the... Oh, God, probably the weakest takeover in a while. I mean, definitely missing, you know, your Velveteen Dream, your Johnny Gargano, guys who go out there and have a really memorable takeover match. I mean, Killian Dane is never going <laughs> to... Never going to reach that level, I'm sorry. And Pete Dunn, and I think um, Punishment Martinez, whatever his character is called now. Character, whatever he's called now. Um, I don't remember. Uh, Priest... Priestley? Ah, whatever his name is. Damien Priest. Damien Priest. They are... They definitely felt like... They definitely felt anchored down by by Killian Dane. And yeah, Riddle, Balor, I just didn't think was that good. I don't know. I I was hoping for something there and they just had a straightforward match, I guess. Um... This was was the first week, by the way. I still haven't finished watching uh, Dynamite. Uh, it was good, but kind of no. Well, actually, I, I I probably I would reserve myself from saying it was good. I thought it was a fairly boring episode of TV. Um, Chris Jericho did a "This Is Your Life" segment. I saw that, and I I, I did enjoy that. I thought that was quite funny, although it was very long. And they once again had a startled animal out there that didn't want to be out there, so stop doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, leave Ted Irvine at home, for God's sake. Oh, you son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> he was great, by the way. He was very funny. He, he was good. Funny he was in good. a dry, silly way, but very funny. Uh, that it was kind of just a show. It was very lethargic. It was the old dynamite thing that we've been saying since launch which is just they had they just had matches that just went and went and went like the women's match i actually thought was really good it's like one of the better women's matches uh so far um uh but it was just long it was just long and then pack and omega had a match that was long and they've already had matches and then like omega won with like a roll up and that that, that was kind of deflating because it's like I, I didn't think they'd beat Pack at this stage, and the Omega character is just so odd right now. Um, it was just weird. It was just weird, and I, I kind of felt like the um, they had the, the Butcher and the Blade debut laying out Cody, which was cool, but not even the hardcore Chicago audience knew who they were, and um, there was a rare instance of Excalibur actually not really helping it. Uh, the show because he, they I, I assume he was told to do this but he acted like he knew who they were and that just came off lamer because he knew who they were but nobody else did and he was acting like it was this big moment and it wasn't well, um, quite frankly who the hell are these <laughs> I've never heard well of. yeah JR goes who when he says the <laughs> what was the deal with that third guy as well obviously I haven't watched the whole show but uh, there's no I Tony Schiavone oh my god they had this other guy on and he was the worst he sounded like he was on heroin or something yeah no he um, he, he I don't know what won a prize to commentate in a box of cereal or something yeah they called him something they said they referred to him as something he was like the field the field fan group chant master or some shite yeah, yeah, there was, there was there gave some goofy game that made me worry that this was going to be a regular occurrence, uh, unfortunately. Well, he sucked, uh, so it probably won't be. He was dreadful. He was worse than, than Marvez ever was. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so yeah, this was this was a very unremarkable, boring episode. Scorpio Sky versus Jericho was very good, good TV made event. I'm not, you know, not go out of your way. Good to see, but just exactly what it needed to be. Um, uh, you know, a, a television opponent for Jericho to beat. Uh, good match. Um, but I will say I was I was not surprised uh, as we are recording the show that the news came out that. Uh, AEW got their first trouncing at the hands of, of NXT. Oh man! Uh, like six, like six eighty something thousand uh, to NXT's eight hundred fifty or something like that. Uh, AEW just barely holding on to the the key demos. It was very very close. I mean that was a stopping. I mean they were both hurt by the by you know it being the day before Thanksgiving, but. Uh, I, I did not think it was a surprise that this show didn't do well. What, you mean Wardlow isn't a draw? <laughs> uh, yeah, so did you watch NXT this week? I did, I did watch NXT. Um, it was alright. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you too much. That's about, again, to go out of your way to watch. I remember that they injured Bobby Fish during the first match. And then... They came back from break, and Roderick Strong was there in his, like, pants. In his trousers and shoes. And they're like, oh, he's in the match now. Um, What else happened? Mansoor was on. Mansoor is a funny one, because whenever I see him, I think two things. I think, number one, this lad is actually quite good. And then, number two, when I see him, I think he's quite good, but, God, he looks like just the biggest geek. I can't take him seriously. Um, what else happened? Uh, da, 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 da. Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa was the main event, which was quite good, I suppose. But yeah, it was. It's funny that this was the one to be AW because I think the NXT, in a sense, had an equally kind of bleh showing. You know, there was nothing much worth going out of your way to see. There's some good promos on it, mind. I mean, Champa and Balor had a good promo, and Rhea Ripley and Baszler had a good kind of face-to-face. But yeah. and Leo Rush, Akira Tozawa had a match as good as you would expect. But again, I, I don't know. It's worth kind of going out of your way. See, it was, it was a fine show, if not not a great one. But then I guess maybe both of them, knowing that it was Thanksgiving and that viewership was likely to be down, probably didn't. Send the big guns yeah, out well, all blazing, you know. Yeah, why explode? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then finally, we went to OTT in the KRFC. I always want to say KFRC for some reason. Excuse me. Funny how they've not given a, a wacky, easy to remember name like the arena. Well, the funny thing is, I don't think it is called the KRFC. I think the people in the area call it the Kill Marin Family Fucking Recreational Center or whatever. They call yeah. it the Rec Center or whatever. Yeah. Kilmana Family Recreation Center. Kilmana! Yeah, that's what it's called. Um, I know, it's so funny. The show was very good. If, like, not necessarily one that I think you will feel that you will have missed by the time the next one rolls around. Like, it was a very good, very solid show. Not particularly newsworthy. 
Um, but I'll go through it quickly. Um, first, uh, first we got in quite early. So we were we arrived there at about five. They started letting people in at about ten to five because uh, there was a Q and A. So the 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 uh, the VIP, let's say, people got in early. So we got in and only queued for about ten minutes. We got in and. We had the stage seats, and what's that at the front of the stage? Three free seats. Hmm, thank you very much. So we sat ourselves down, and uh, it's funny because there was a picture that someone put out of uh, Be Cool doing his promo, and you look in the background, it's me. Um, Shower Cool. Uh, first match was the five way Terry Thatcher, Callum Black, Kyle Fletcher, Mao from the Moonlight Express, and Omari. Um, they had a, a good five-way, but felt very similar to the kind of the spate of five-way slash six-way matches that they've they've opened shows with recently. Um, it was pretty good. Um, Omari is very fun. Um, Mao was doing kind of a gimmick where he was kind of not engaging with anybody and kind of just living on the outskirts of the match. But it was okay. Um, Bonesaw and Damien Corvin uh, defeated Bestia666 and MechaWolf450 in what I would call another Kings of the North disappointment. Uh, yeah, that's that's fine for the courts. Yeah, I don't oh! know. Go on. I, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Uh, wait, have I been on the show since I? No, we haven't done a show since I was in London, have we? No. I, I will. I will give a rundown of Rev Pro. It was a. It was a very fun show. I got to see Amazing Red live. That was great. Um. <laughs> uh, the Great O'Karn and Rampage Brown are standing in the ring as the unified champions. They unified the Rev Pro and Southside Wrestling tag because Southside are, are gone now. Okay. And the manager starts cutting a promo about how no one can stop them and who could possibly challenge them. And everyone's looking at the ramp because that's such a promo that tell, tells you, here comes someone, here comes a debut or a return or something. Yeah. And and what happens with me and all my other Irish pals up in the balcony? Little Bonesaw's face pops up on the screen. Oh, and the Kings of the North make their Rev Pro debut about three years too late. Yeah. Uh, and they, they run out, and let me tell you, right? If you told me ahead of time that this was going to happen, I would have said they will probably get a mild pop because people will be vaguely familiar with them as an OTT act in a time when OTT got very popular. Yeah. Fucking nobody knew. Who these men were. <laughs> I thought you were going to say they got a big pop. Oh, man. No one has. No one had a fucking clue. It was actually. Sad. It was actually unbelievable. Like, like, and the funny thing is, it was like, and I, I was shocked, but then I was like, but of course not. They, like, they. They uh, to you and I and to, to people who go, they've been an integral part of OTT. But, but to Johnny Wrestling fan who, who, watches the freebies on YouTube and maybe buys a show here or there. You know, the big names you associate with the with the ascent of OTT are Devlin and maybe Martina to an extent and David Starr and Walter and Will Ospreay and maybe Marty Skrull and Piton. you know 
He died. And, and, like, really, the Kings have not for a very long time been a flagship part of the show. And they have also uh, been gone for six months and no one missed them. Uh, and no one was clamoring for them to come back. And they've wrestled everyone under the sun. So I just, I, sorry, you just reminded me of that by talking about, like, because they are, they really are just this big albatross now. It's like, what do you do? What do you do with them? It's like, it, it's not even about whether or not they're good or bad. It's like, it's like, what what can they conceivably do at this stage in OTT? It's weird as well because I don't even know that the match was like that bad. I think it was a fine match, but I, and as much as I used to love Kings of the North and want to have that feeling again that, you know, Barry, we used to have when the Kings of the North come out. There's just something missing there and it's hard to get excited for them in their matches. I don't know what it is because like they're in the best shape they've ever been in theoretically they should be having the best matches of their of their career and they're not i don't i don't know what it is i want to love their matches and i just don't um maybe maybe i miss duncan disorderly maybe that's what it is i mean the match was fine it looks like they maybe maybe not maybe it was just selling but it looked like they fucked bonesaw up towards the finish and because he spent the last like five minutes just holding his ribs and not doing much else um, it was, it was eh. and then uh, Katie Harvey uh, defended successfully against Debbie Keitel in what was a, a a fine women's title match I think it was better than the Katie Harvey Valkyrie one we got mm-hmm. recently um, it was fine we also had sorry I missed in there we had an awful, let me tell you, if you thought just the jitsu was the shits, an awful Aiden versus Liam Royal uh, match, if you want to put match in inverted commas. Uh, it sucked. They did a gimmick where Club Tropicana need to raise money, and so they bet money on Aiden to lose, right? You can guess what happened here. Liam Royal bet the shit out of him, and then they did like a slip on a banana peel roll up and Aiden, oh, Aiden won. No. Let me tell you though, enormous pop. I felt like of course. I felt like yeah. I was the only one not on crazy pills. Well, no. OTT fans will always pop for the comedy jabron winning a match. They'll always they'll but always he, pop. But for he that. beat. Uh, no, I I think Liam Royal has potential as we talked about before. But yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But he is a jabron also. <laughs> So he a comedy jabron, so, but, like, jabron. But like, but no, but he like like Liam Royal like he threw around Tropicana on some uh, no uh, Rock Shandy on one of these shows and I like I I I got the vibes that they were actually building Liam Royal up a little bit. I'm actually disappointed to hear he lost. He lost to banana. Aiden in the singles match. Like, did you when they? I don't know if you saw, but they posted those tweets teasing the end of Tropicana. Did you like I did? read those and just shrug your shoulders like who could possibly care i didn't even muster the enthusiasm to shrug my shoulders yeah i i yeah i'm kind of over the tropicana thing to be honest um i mean we talked about tropicana before that like tony slash jose idol was like holding that together comedy comedically speaking like that, that he was the gimmick they were funny but like you needed him to tie it all together, and he's gone now. So they got the fabulous Nikki instead. Tremendous. Um, 
Ren Narita from New Japan Wrestling then made his OTT debut in a fantastic match with Scotty Davis. Yeah, Ren Narita rules. They had a New Japan style and a New Japan quality match. It was great. Scotty Davis was every bit as good as Ren Narita was, so don't worry about that. They then had a... No, I'm not clear on this, right? They then had a number one contenders match. My understanding was because um, Haskins was sick, so couldn't he was supposed to defend the gender neutral title against Be Cool? That didn't happen. They hadn't said a number one contenders match, and it was Be Cool against Paddy Morrow. My understanding was number one contender for the gender neutral title, but I've been seeing elsewhere that it was number one contender for the OTT title. So. I don't really know what it was for. Uh, Paddy M won as well in a surprise finish. Um, crowd a little bit confused. The finish, I, I don't know if something went wrong. It's it, like one of those finishes where the ref kind of flubs the three on the count. And so you're not sure if it was a meant to be the finish. And so you get that kind of confused crowd reaction. Mm. But um, the match itself was actually really good. Really funny. Um... I would say better than you would expect from Be Cool Paddy M. I think they actually had a really fun match. Um, you then had the match everyone was waiting for. More than hype against uh, the Lucha Bros and Ray Oros. Mm. Uh, this has my own Paul Griffin little story here, right? So we, we're, we're front of the stage, okay? Mm-hmm. More than hype during their entrance, and luckily, hey, this was edited. This was not on the VOD, so you can't see it, so don't worry about that. They're showing Darren Kearney instead running around the ringside. Uh, LJ Cleary comes up onto the stage, and eventually they all come up and pose like right in front of us. But LJ Cleary comes up onto the stage, and I put my hand out for, you know, the rest, the high five as he goes by. Mark. But he doesn't do the high five, so I, you know, put my hand down. Then he puts his hand out as my hand's coming down. So I have to go up again and go for the high five. Oh, man, I whiff so bad <laughs> the high five. Oh, no. Why isn't this on the VOD? <laughs> I, think I, I think I caught him in the wrist or something. Oh, it was terrible stuff. Um, anyway, they had a, a very fun match. The, 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 the typical kind of more than hype six-way or a six-man tag, which are always very good. Again, was very good here. Albeit, they were in the ring with very good people. Um, Phoenix did his run across the rope into a kick spot on them tiny little OTT ropes, which I was very impressed by. Um, I haven't checked this out on the VOD yet, so I want to go back and see it. But you know the way uh, for the finish, right? Pentagon and Phoenix do the, like, Package pile driver with the stomp, right? So Pentagon is facing the corner as Phoenix comes off, and Phoenix lands on I forget who it was, uh, Nathan Martin, I think. And as he comes off Nathan Martin's arse, his, his both of his heels hit Pentagon square in the face, <laughs> like in, oh. in the eyes. Uh, Pentagon was visibly like woozy from it. 
Um, I'm not sure if that's going to come across on, on the, the VOD. I will check it out. But I remember seeing it going, Jesus, Pentagon's after taking <laughs> taking a kick in the face from, from his own brother there. Um, so I don't know. Also, they like... All the Mexican guys come walking in the arena. Like, they, they came from one side of the stage across and out through the like entrance way right like what 10 minutes before the show started with like their suitcases and everything like they just arrived and then they put on this like great match how did they do it like <laughs> they obviously had no time to put it. It. i tell you i don't know how they did it because th- we're like oh they just arrived they have a match in like an hour and a half <laughs> and they had a really great match so well done to them and I tell you what, you know when you get your your imports in, like the the LIJ or whatever, and they come in and just do their bit, right? Pentagon and Phoenix and Ray Oros, they did a great job of putting more than hype over. Even though more than hype didn't win the match, they had the like Pentagon Junior, who's like one of the big stars in the world, right? Has his little you probably seen on the trailer for the VOD, right? Has a standoff with Nathan Martin. And goes to do the zero Miedo thing. And as he comes down from Miedo, Nathan Martin grabs his arm and says, no, 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 you're not doing zero Miedo to me. Pentagon hits him with the hardest slap you've ever heard, like chop across the chest. Nathan Martin no-sells it. Ah, oh, like, I'm like, ah, Pentagon is doing this boy a favor here, making him look like a million bucks. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. These, these, these... Yeah, I I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. These Mexican boys, very, very generous to the young Irish lads, let me tell you that. And Ray, uh, Ray Phoenix, Pentagon, Rayos, they sold, they sold for the, the Irish lads, like, like they, like Shawn Michaels selling for Hulk Hogan. They, they were putting their all into it, let me tell you. Um, so that was very good. And then, uh, I don't know, between this and the Sky Davis, Ren Arita match, probably match of the night, David Starr and Mike Bailey had a fantastic match for the OTT title. Including a bit where they fought on the stage directly in front of us. And then again, if you've seen the trailer for the VOD, Mike Bailey hitting a shooting star off the stage. Which, uh, again, was directly in front of us. We got, like, the best view of it. It was great. Um, Again, though, too many little fucking... Dusty, dusty finish fucking shenanigans. Enough of that. You Twice in the Devlin match and then twice in this match. Enough enough of that just have a David Starr match he doesn't have to do a bit where he goes and gets the belt and tries to use the belt and then the ref bump and then he had the rope the three count doesn't count and ugh, too much and then there's a quite interesting post-show angle um, involving the <laughs> involving the ring crew which kind of plays into David Starr and his unionized thing um, which is very interesting so yeah a good show Especially, like, after the first three matches, which were kind of... Eh, I think everything after that was, like, good to great. So, like, the last five or six matches in a row were all all really good. Uh, I also watched that OTT documentary about the Tivoli. Did you get a chance to uh, watch that, Barry? No, not yet. I liked it a lot. Oh, really? I heard kind of mixed things about it. I liked it a lot. I mean... I'll give you some. I'll give you some mixed things myself about it. I thought generally it was a very, a very nice kind of tribute to the Tivoli and brought back some good memories of of going to wrestling shows there for me. 
I think there are probably there's probably three things I would point out about it that lessened it. Let's say, um, okay. one. Even though I believe Pete Dunne was at that show, right? The the ties the ring together one. There's no interview footage with Pete Dunne, which I think is a bit of a miss. Uh, number two, there's bits in it where like the boom mic will come down into shot. Which seems very unprofessional, and for a production company making a documentary, shouldn't really be happening. But you just you're you're watching and just see this thing coming into the top of the frame, and then dip back out. You're like, that was the boom mic. This people are amateurs. And then a big part of it, and again, it's because of the show it was on. Fair enough, but a big part of it is dedicated to like the Justy comeback, and that yeah. that just felt out of place with what the rest of the thing was about like people talking about the Tivoli and the best moments of the Tivoli and then there's this big section about and Justy's coming back tonight and I probably would have cut that bit out of it not because it's bad but because it's just it's not what the documentary was about um, I think without that I think it's something you could even show to someone who isn't necessarily a big OTT fan or even a big wrestling fan and they would understand as kind of a, an, an interesting documentary without necessarily having a wrestling background. But again, that, that Justy section is a little bit too niche and too specific to people who, who know OTT to kind of get what, what that is about. But uh, no, I generally thought it was pretty good. Alrighty, I'll check it out at some point. I, I might um, check back in next week. Um, and also, yeah, I, I'll watch that show on VOD, of course. Uh, I'm excited to see that six-man and the Scotty match as well. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, that is going to do it, though, for this week's edition of the Chair Shot podcast. Uh, I believe I'm here next Sunday. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get a show out to you at some point in the next week again, of course, as we mentioned already. You know, around the holiday season, we will be uh, doing these shows uh, as, as, as best we can and as often as we can with everyone's schedule in mind. Uh, but for now, ChairShotPodcast.com is where you can go for the archive. ChairShotPod on Twitter is where you can follow for updates and all of that. Uh, we'll be back next week. More takes on various things. Mm-hmm. I'm going to goodbye from me, Barry Murphy. It's goodbye from Joe Towner. Goodbye. It's goodbye, Mr. Paul Griffin. Goodbye. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Miami, South Beach, bringing the heat. Uh, haha. Can you feel that? Can you feel that? Uh, jigging it out, huh? Here I am in the place where I come and I go Miami the bass and the sunset glow Every day like a Mardi Gras Everybody party all day, no work, I'll play okay So we sip a little something, let the rest to spill Me and Charlie at the bar, running up a high bill Nothing less than ill, we all dressed to kill Every time the ladies pass, they be like Y'all feel me? All ages and races, little sweet faces Every different nation Spanish, Haitian, Indian, Jamaican, Black, White, Cuban, I'm Asian I only come for two days of playing But every time I come, I always wind up staying. This is the type of time I can spend a few days in Miami, the city that keeps the roof blazing Party in the city where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Where we meet for army, army Bouncing in the club where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn I'm going to Miami Welcome to Miami 
Yo, I heard the rainstorms and nothing to mess with But I feel a drip on the strip, it's a trip Ladies half dressed, fully equipped And they be screaming out So I'm thinking I'ma scoop me something hot In this self-seen meringue melting pot Hottest club city is right on the beach Temperature got to you, it's about to reach 500 degrees in the Caribbean Sea With a hot mummy screaming I puppy. Every time I go to town, they be stopping me In the drop bank loop, ain't no stopping me So catching your door, you flow to the fashion show Pound for pound, anywhere you go Yo, ain't no city in the world like this And if you ask how I know, I guess the food the film Party in the city where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Where we meet for Miami Bouncing in the club where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn I'm going to Miami Welcome to Miami Don't get me wrong Town got it going on And New York is a city that we know don't sleep And we all know that LA and Philly's the jiggy But on the sneak, Miami bringing heat for real Y'all don't understand I never seen so many Dominican women with cinnamon tans Mira, this is the plan Take a walk on the beach, draw a heart in the sand Give me a hand Damn, you look sexy Let's go to my yacht in the West Keys Run my jet skis, lounging in the palm trees Cause you gotta have cheese for the summer house peace on South Beach But it's so clear, you can see the bottom Hundred thousand dollar cars, everybody got them Ain't no surprise in the club to see Slice Stallone, Miami, my second home Party in the city where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Where we meet for Miami Bouncing in the club where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn I'm going to Miami Welcome to Miami Party in the city where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn Welcome to Miami Where we meet for in the club where the heat is on All night on the beach till the break of dawn I'm going to Miami Welcome to Miami Party in the city where the heat is on